Today, we continue with our series on Genesis. And our Pastor Danny shared with us last week, rest in the goodness of God. You know, only in the Lord God will you and I find rest. Jesus Christ said, in this world, you will have trials and tribulation. Do you believe that? You know, that is one of the selling points of some other uh, preachers even on TV. That all you need to do is come to faith in Christ and everything is hunky-dory. Everything will work out. Everything is fine. But the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, in this world, you will have tribulation. So may I suggest to you, may I submit to your consideration, that true rest, true peace can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can rest that we have a good God. In Genesis chapter 2, we learned from last week, four provisions showing God's goodness. Rest. You see, only our God commands us to rest. Your employers will command you to do overtime. Even without pay. Because certain things have to be done. But only God commands His people to work six days. And on the seventh day is a day of rest. It shall be a Sabbath holy unto the Lord. That's why we have this as the basis. Thus the heavens and earth were completed in all, its, in all their hosts. By the seventh day God completed His work which He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all the work which He had done. The Bible does not tell us that God got tired. The Bible tells us that His work was completed. And what do you do when your work is completed? You stop working. You cease from your labor. You rest. It's not like, God, oh, wow, wow, I'm going to do this. Oh, that's so tiring. I'm going to do this. Oh, I've already been creating everything in the past six days. Oh, I need a breather. No. God does not sleep. God does not slumber. He never rests because He has no need to re-energize, to recharge himself. We are the only ones who need rest. We are the only ones who need to be energized. That's why Mark chapter 2 says, Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God created us and gave us seven days in one week, and he commands us, Six days you shall work. The seventh day is your Sabbath. That's the principle. That's the underlying principle. If you have to work on a Sunday, make sure that you have a Sabbath day rest. Some of you, especially in the medical field, you have no choice. So what is your Sabbath rest? I don't know. But the principle is you work six days and you rest on your Sabbath. And the Sabbath, should be a day dedicated to the Lord. On it you shall rest. On it you shall remember that God commands you to rest. For pastors, as Pastor Danny said, our Sabbath is Monday. So I will echo his request. Do not get sick. Do not die. Do not be in the emergency room. Do not be in the hospital on Monday. Because Monday is our Sabbath rest. 
You can die on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but never on a Monday. I'm just kidding. For us pastors, when you call, Lord willing, we will be there. God will take care of you. It has been said, if you take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. So one Sunday afternoon, I was hungry and I said, you know, a chicken sandwich is in the offing. So I got into my car and I drove to this place. Imperial Corner Beach Boulevard. So I drove in and said, yes, there's a lot of parking because I forgot. Chick-fil-A is owned by a Christian who is committed not to work on Sunday, which is their Sabbath. That is why, if you do not know, all Chick-fil-A outlets are owned by individuals. They are not owned by corporations. And it is more stringent for you to be able to put up this franchise because they will require that your franchise will close on a Sunday. If you want Chick-fil-A, talk to Nat Miguel. His cousin owns a franchise. Advertise. You must rest. After rest, God says, God gives us responsibility. God gives us responsibility. God gives us work. Oh, no. I got to wake up at 6. I got to shower. I got to change. I have to run my breakfast, run to the office. Oh, because I need to work. The Bible says if you do not work, you shall not eat. So God has given us the responsibility of fruitful labor. So that we can eat, we can survive, and we can use the blessing to share with others. God gave us that responsibility. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the bread of life and man became a living being. God gave man a responsibility, but first God created man. And since our senior pastor is Chinese, let me share with you some calligraphy. The word create. From dirt, from mouth, movement of life, and walk. God spoke, and it came to be. God formed Adam from dust, and Adam became a live being. And when God created Adam, God planted Adam in the garden, which he also planted, and this is what God said. The Lord planted the garden towards the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So what did God do? God planted the garden. He did not put Adam and tell Adam to till and make a garden. God planted the garden. You like fast food? Why do you like fast food? Instant. You have an instant garden. 
You don't have to toil. You don't have to pull out the, the, the sickle or the hoe and to gather seed and to plant and to water and to wait for the plants to bear fruit. Instant. Yes. When God put Adam in the garden, the garden was already finished. It already had been made. So, God gave the responsibility. The responsibility to what? Number one, Genesis 1.28, to rule and to subdue all of God's creation. To cultivate and keep the garden. To obey Him and to name the animals. In Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God put Adam in charge. In charge of what? In charge of his creation. Now, you, when you and I, when we apply for work, have you ever applied? Position applied for, chairman of the board. Chief operating officer. You just graduated from college. You have to go up the corporate ladder so that you can get an authority so that you can be in charge. God put Adam in charge. God, Adam had nothing to do with God's creation, yet God put him in charge. And because God, God put Adam in charge, this is what he said. The Lord God took man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Now, those of you who like gardening, those of you who like to have a green thumb, you usually go to your garden or your flowers and you see if there are insects or if the, the flower or the plant is growing very well. Some of you even speak to your plants. Yes? Yes. Beautiful. I hope you will bloom. Right? To tend to keep the garden. 19. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the sky, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its, that's what it was its name. <laughs> Nabubulol na ako. Pwede ba Tagalog na lang? Whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. So, Adam was supposed to take care of the garden, to keep it, to cultivate it, to preserve it. And God also gave the command to Adam to name the animals. So why is the giraffe called giraffe? Maybe because Adam named it. I don't know. But that was part of what God told Adam to do. So the animals would probably parade in front of Adam. And, okay, I'll call you giraffe because you have a long neck. I'll call you monkey because you have a long, because you have long arms or whatever it is. So God gave this command to Adam. See, there is a responsibility given to us. When you and I are placed in positions of authority, we are given a corresponding responsibility. So God gave rest responsibility. God also gave certain rules. Now rules are made for our benefit. Rules are made to have order. Rules are good. I 
But if you are a child and you're below or you're just coming into your teenage years, I'm sure in your mind, rules are not good. What time are you leaving? Who's going with you? What time are you coming back? What are you going to eat? Do you have money? Oh, parents don't like to hear that. They want all the rest. So what are the rules? Initially, there was only basically one rule. Genesis 2, 16 to 17. The Lord God commanded man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you will eat, eat from it, you will surely die. How many commands do you see? How many commands? One or two? What's the first command? What's the second command? Imagine God commands you to eat. My doctor commands me not to eat. My blood sugar went up. God commands Adam, you are free to eat. Eat. Except, do not eat from this one tree. God placed a prohibition. Now, as Pastor Danny, I think, shared with us last week, this is the Chinese character for prohibit. Two trees and God. God told Adam, you may eat from all the other trees, but except from that other tree, you cannot eat. One is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The other tree is the tree of life. God gave rest, responsibility, rules, and Lastly, relationships. This morning, I'm going to talk about the fourth one. So very easy. Our title this morning is Rest in the Goodness of God, Part 2. Isn't God good that He would command us to rest? Isn't God good that gave, God gave us the responsibility? And isn't God good that He would give us rules so that we can enjoy His creation? Therefore, we can rest in the goodness of God. Can I invite everyone to please stand as we read Scripture from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 to 24. Shall we read? Then the Lord God said, Out of the ground, and brought them to the man, and whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. Man gave names. So the Lord God, and he slept. Then the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. God, thank you for your word. 
Thank you that we can see through your word how good and loving and gracious you are to each and every one of us. God, I pray that you will speak in and through me and speak to all of your people here this morning. And again, remind us, Lord, that in you there is rest. Be pleased with our worship of you, Lord, this morning. Be pleased with the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Why do we ask you to read Scripture? Why do we ask you to bring your Bible? Why is it that we display the Scripture on the screen? Remember in Genesis, about two or three messages ago, that there are three recurring phrases in Genesis chapter 1. God said, we have the Bible. That's everything that God said. And when God created everything, He made them after their own kind. And then, God stepped back, so to speak, and He looked at His creation, and He said, it was good. So when God created the light, it was good. When God created the day and the night, it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. However, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, and onwards, as we read, God observed. He made this observation. God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So God made this observation that Adam was alone. And being alone was not good. So what did God decide to do? God made the observation. God then took the initiative to correct the situation. He said, I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, I'm not going to explain that helper suitable right now. I'm going to put that for next Sunday. But, Suffice it to say for this morning, especially from the Philippine context, helper is not your maid. Helper is not katulong. God noticed that Abraham was the only human being. So God decided to take the initiative to form another human being complementary to Adam. A person suitable for him. Imagine, God gives you the command. Name all of these animals. And whatever name you call the animal, that was its name. So you're there. You're going about the business that God has entrusted to you. And you see them. So you're naming them. Oh, may Tagalog translation pa sa taas. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, bird of the sky, brought them to the man to see what he would call them. So Adam did not have to go out to look for the animals. God brought the animals to the man. You see the goodness of God? Remember, we are talking about the goodness of God. 
the animals came to Adam and Adam named them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. Then the man gave names to all the cattle and the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper for him. So Adam was alone. He was going about what God had commanded him. And put yourself in Adam's shoes. Although there was no shoes during that time. Lion, lioness. Tiger, tigress. Male gorilla, female gorilla. Male giraffe, female giraffe. Rooster, hen. All of them have a mate. All of them have a partner. All of them have a counterpart. How about me? For Adam, there was not found a helper for him. There was no suitable human being to complement Adam. And how then could Adam fulfill the command of God? As written in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the living thing that moves on the earth. How can Adam be fruitful and multiply? He has no partner. He has no female counterpart. You can only reproduce. If you have a male and female counterpart, unless you are one of these mollusks that self-reproduce. You understand what I'm trying to say? Adam could not fulfill this command if he were alone. How could he be fruitful? How could he have offspring? How could he have multiplied and filled the earth? If he had no other suitable helper. So what did God do? The man gave names to all, everything. But for Adam, no helper was found. So what did God do? So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place the first recorded surgery the first recorded anesthesia God said sleep and the man slept and then what did God do what did God do he took one of the ribs now the rib cage protects the most important or vital organs correct those of you in the medical field, the heart, the lungs, the kidney. So where did God get the bone from? He got it from the rib, closest to the heart. And when Adam was sleeping, he took one of the ribs and he closed the skin. And then 
the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. When God created Adam, what did God use? Do you remember? He used what? Dust. Dirt. Remember the Chinese calligraphy I showed you? God took some dirt. He breathed into the dirt. And what? He formed Adam. Fully grown. You get that? Out of the dirt, God formed Adam by the breath of his mouth. He spoke. He breathed life into the dirt. And it came out to be Adam. Human being. Fully formed. How did God make Eve? Did God make Eve out of the dust? No. God took a part of Adam. He took the rib bone closest to the heart. And what did he do? He formed woman. He formed Eve. Not out of dust, but out of a part of Adam. That's the strongest connection. That is perhaps the closest relationship that Adam could have with Eve. Because Eve was formed out of Adam. Now men, please don't rib your wives and tell them, See, tadyang ka lang. For Alex and Philip, I said, don't tell, you know, don't tell your wives you're just a piece of rib. God, God formed Eve out of Adam. Imagine that relationship. God saw, God made the observation that Adam was alone. No one was suitable for him. So what did God do? God put Adam to sleep. He opened up the flesh, took out one of his rib bones, closed up the flesh, and he formed woman. Taken out of man. And then what else did God do? Adam, I have a secret for you. What's that, God? I created one for you. Wow! Really? Where? Ah, you look for her in the garden. Is that what God do? Hide and seek? Look. No. Look. And he taken from the man and brought her to the man. Who brought the woman to the man? You see how good God is? Those of you who are single waiting for husband, you wait for God to bring that man to you. You wait for God to bring that woman to you. Because when God brings that man or woman to you, that is the perfect partner for you. You can rest in the goodness of God. 
See, God did not give Adam a hard time. Okay, these, these are the dimensions of the, you know, the Garden of Eden. I have four rivers over there. Okay, now it's up to you now. I put, uh, it's like Easter egg hunt. Okay, look for Eve. Uh, who is Eve? She's a woman. Huh? Uh, I don't know what a woman looks like. No. God put Adam to sleep, took one of his bones, and fashioned woman from a bone of man. And then God brought her to the man. There is no suitable helper for you. There is no one like you. So here, because I am a good God, here is your mate. And when Adam saw Eve, this is what he said. The man said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Was that statement by Adam accurate? Yes or no? Yes. Because Eve was taken out of Adam. And he was right to say, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. From now on, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. When God brought Eve to Adam, and because there was no one else like Eve, all he could say, oh, wow, oh, man, I am woman. He had no words to express. Imagine, what would he call that? Oh, lion, lioness. Oh, rooster, hen. Oh. What will you call this? Because there is no one like Eve. And he said, she shall be called woman. Why? Because she was taken out of man. Finally, finally there was one like Adam. One of his own kind. And I hope that you see the close relationship that God established between man and woman. God created man from dust, but God created woman from a bone of Adam. And he blessed them. They, God did not put them to work and then bless them. God blessed them and put them to work. That's how good God is. He will bless you. And He will give you the responsibility. You don't need to earn God's favor. God's favor, which we know as grace, is freely given. God blessed them. He provided the garden for them. And when God made the observation that it is not good for the man to be alone, God took the initiative to create Eve out of Adam. So He was right to say, this is bone of my bone flesh of my flesh. From now on, she will be called woman. And in verse 24, for this reason, for what? For this special relationship between a man and a woman, which we call marriage. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. 
you see the design of God? This first relationship between a man and a woman, which we know to be marriage, God designed for permanency. You see, they were just the first human beings, Adam and Eve. God told them, right? Multiply, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So we know through Scripture, and we're going to see parts of those, that they began to have offspring. And as the population grew, you see this command. That a man must leave his father and mother and be joined to the wife. That idea is an idea of permanency. That's why in the New Testament you will read that God hates divorce. Because it was the intention of God that this marital relationship be a permanent one. You will leave your adult relationship dependent on your parents and you will establish a new relationship with your new wife or husband. And it will be a process of becoming one. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his one, to his wife, and the two shall be as one. The Hebrew word for that has a picture of being glued to each other. A picture of permanency. And here in America, all you need to do is drive to Las Vegas. On one corner, you can drive through and get married. On the other corner, you can drive through and get divorced. All you need is money. But that is not God's intention. And why do you think we are having so many broken family relationships? My friends, the family is the basic thread of society. It was ordained, initiated, created, and purposed by God for permanency. And as one researcher said, when the family breaks down, civilization breaks down. When we attack the family, when the family is destroyed, it is the beginning of the destruction of a society and the beginning of the destruction of a civilization. God meant this relationship to be permanent. And God also meant this relationship okay, to be pure. Look at verse 25. The man and the woman were ashamed, were, in, were naked, and were not ashamed. There was no shame. There was no embarrassment. It was a pure relationship. This is God's design. This is what our good God intended relationships to be. And God has given us other relationships for our good. See, God said it is not good for the man to be alone. So what did God do? He provided woman. Some of us are blessed with the gift of singleness. 
Some of us are not. If you are not blessed being single, then trust and rest in the goodness of God that God will provide. Now, don't go outside God's design. God so slow. God, even if the same na lang. No. That is not God's design. That is not God's intent. Male and female, He created them. So how many genders? Only Adam, male, Eve, female. And this relationship had the idea of permanency. And God has also established for our own good certain other relationships. Let me show some. Government and citizens. Romans 13 verse 1. Let's read this. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So why do you pay your taxes? Oh, I love President Obama. Oh, ano Greek nun pare? Who allowed President Obama to sit in government? You don't know? God. You see there? God allowed the existing governments, the existing human authorities to be in place. God allowed it. The government and its citizens. You pay taxes so that the government will use your money to pay roads, build buildings, build schools, traffic lights. In the Philippines, it's inconsequential. Nobody followed the traffic light anyway. You see? God established that. I didn't make that up. Do you know that Jesus Christ paid tax? Yes. The Pharisees were trying to trick him. Who will we pay our tax? Get the money. Who pays? Oh, Caesar. Oh, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give unto God what is God. Oh, you get the fish. Open up the mount. There's a coin. That's my tax. Put it there. He paid tax. There is no authority that exists apart from God allowing that authority to exist. The government and its citizens. Oh, husband and wife. We know this. Oh, yan na naman. Submit na naman. Yung mga lalaki, the men. Yes, pastor, preach it. Preach. Respect. 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 R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Husband and wife relationship for our own good. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as fitting to the Lord. Sabi ni Mrs. Uy, fitting? Fitting room! Yes! <laughs> submit. Be under the what? The authority of your husband as to the Lord. Husbands, oh, love your wives. And do not be ha- <laughs> supposed to be the women answering that, you know. 
Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Mm-hmm. Why did it soften up a bit? See, here, here you have the family relationship. Emphasize again. Husband and wife, they have roles, they have duties, they have responsibilities. Wives, be subject to your husband. Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. In Colossians, don't be harsh with them. How about parents and children? Children, where are you? Children, what are you supposed to do? Obey your parents. When? In everything. Even if they seem unreasonable. Obey because that is God's design for you. Children, don't worry. I have something for you too. Look. Now. Children, you obey your parents. You honor your parents as to the Lord. Why? If they don't follow God, that's their responsibility to God. You know why? Look at the next verse. Fathers, now this is all encompassing. Patriarchal society, it's always addressed to the father, but this doesn't mean that the mother has nothing to do with it. Okay? Both mother and father. See? Fathers or parents, what? Do not what? Embitter your children. Why? They will become discouraged. Children, do you? <laughs> children, do your parents change the rules time and time again? Do they change their minds? Do they say yes and then they say no? Do they flip flop? So, when you do that, parents, you are discouraging your children. When the parents tell the ch <laughs> Where are the parents of this? Uh? <laughs> when, you know, parents, the worst thing that we can do to discourage our children is to tell them to do something that we ourselves are not doing. The worst. Because very easy to say, do what I say, do not do what I do. That will embitter your children. That creates a double standard. And that will discourage your children. Who put this relationship there? God. Why? Because God wants it to work. God is a good God. And He wants things in order. God is a God of order. There is an order to things. Ito. Employee-employer relationship. Colossians chapter 3. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor. Curry, flavor tuloy. Curry. Parang nagugutom ako ah. And to curry their favor but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Maybe I will change the language next time. Kasi curry and favor, curry and flavor, you know, they're too close. Anyway, what's the idea here? Did God bless us with work? Yes or no? Who gives us the ability to produce wealth? God. How is He going to do it? To give you work. 
Right? So you have a certain authority in the workplace. So what should you do if you're the employee? In the case, it's translated as slave. What are you supposed to do? Obey your earthly master, your employer. Not only when their eye is on you. Okay, good. And then? <laughs> you have to do it whether he's watching you or not. Because when you work, you work as to the Lord. God is my boss. I don't work for Department of Public Social Services. I work for God through DPSS. But I have to submit to the earthly authority. Now, what's the reverse? Well, I'm not part of that. I own my business. Well, look at Ephesians 6 verse 9. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. If I am the employee, I am supposed to work as to the Lord. If I own the business, I am the boss, I am the manager, I should treat my employees well. Why? Because I have an accounting with my real boss, God. When people commend you for a job well done because you are an excellent employee, who gets the credit? Who gets the glory? God. God gets the glory. But if you are a poor employee, you are the last to arrive, the first to go home. Your report is always late. Always substandard. Not good. But when your work is excellent and they know that you're a Christian, God gets the glory. Church leaders and members. Sabi ko na nga, Pastor Insong, didiina na naman tayo. No. Look, in the new, the NLT, New Living Translation. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be of your benefit. Your leaders are but shepherds. We can only lead you to the path that God has given to us. And it will make our life easier if everybody is on the same page. That's why when Pastor Danny preaches on Ephesians chapter 2, we start with the first, being of the same mind, of the same spirit, of one purpose. If all of us have one goal, then we can combine our individual efforts to make it a collective effort to be more and more like Christ. Isn't that why God saved us? Isn't that what Romans 8.29 says? For those He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's why your leadership constantly reminds all of us of the mission and vision that God has given to us. 
Because when there is no vision, the people perish. And we will constantly remind you of the great commission that we have to make disciples because this is what God entrusted to us. If Adam was entrusted to take care of the garden, we, New Testament believers, are given the task, duty, and responsibility to make disciples. Well, how about to believer to fellow believer? Look, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When you come to church, when you come to church early, when you come to church on time, when you come to church ready to give to God, that is an encouragement, friends. Your mere presence here is an encouragement to me personally. When I see a lot of empty chairs, I kind of sort of get discouraged. Because God has set aside the Sabbath so that we can dedicate that day to Him. But you know, even in Israel when we went there, their Sabbath, lots of people on the beach. Because it is a day of rest. But they forget that the Sabbath is a day of rest, holy unto the Lord. So we have a responsibility to each other. When you attend your D-group, your D-group leader is encouraged. Your fellow D-group members are encouraged. The problem is when you are faithful to attend and the rest of them are discouraged at your attendance. (laughs) Oh, bro, you're here. Why did you come? You have to be an encouragement. You and I have to be an encouragement to each other. I hope your leaders are an encouragement to you. Because I know and I can say you are an encouragement to me. How about relationship from believer with non-believers? Look, 1 Peter 2.12 Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. You see the responsibility that we as Christians have in the workplace? To see, for the other people to see that we have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ and we live it out. We are supposed to reflect Christ because we are created in His image. And when we do not reflect Christ, we can't silence their complaints or their criticisms or their prejudices. But when we are the best, when we strive for excellence, oh, I like how he works. I like how she operates. She is a model. He is a model for me to follow. And you don't have to tell them that you're a Christian. You know why? Because What you do, how you do it, already proves it. But if they ask, then you have another opportunity to share your faith. You see, my actions always speak louder than my words. I can say I'm a Christian all day long. 
But if my life does not reflect it, they won't believe. They won't listen. We've been talking about relationships. And what is the most vital relationship? May I share with you in Genesis chapter 1. God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. He created him. Male and female, he created them. Of all of God's creation, only man, only mankind is created in the image of God. And male and female, he created them. You know, in the animal kingdom, they have, they have no problem. Who is the male? Who is the female? Only in mankind is gender conflicted. They don't, in the animal kingdom, hmm. Pwede? Ba? Today, what? Oh, lahat pwede. To be honest. Correct? Everything now is relative. There is no more black and white. There is no more standard. In my translation, what you like, you like it. Male and female, He created them. God created us in His image. Animals operate on instinct. We have emotion. We have feelings. We have a conscience. And above all, we, of all God's creation, are created in the image of God. Is God good? He has given you His image. When He created you and me, he gave a part of himself, so to speak, in who we are. So we are not only physical beings, we are spiritual beings. Because God created us in his image. In his likeness, he created them. Man and woman, he created them. This is the most vital relationship. But what happened to that relationship? That relationship was broken. That relationship was severed. God told them, do not eat. You remember this verse? You may freely eat, but do not eat of that one tree. You see, the devil wants us to doubt God. The devil wants to deceive us that God is selfish. Now, how does the devil do that? Wow, really? You are free to eat from any tree? Yes. Why you cannot eat from the tree? Oh, God is selfish. He does not want you to eat from the tree, oh. So here we are. Oh, nga, no? why, why does God not allow me to eat from this tree? We always see that. We don't want to see that the rest of the garden, everything else in the garden is for me to eat freely. But why is my attention over here? The one that God does not allow. That's the way the, saint, the devil deceives us. 
God is selfish. Really? Yes. Why does he allow? Why does he not you allow to eat here? If God is really good, he will allow you to eat from every tree in the garden. Regardless. See, God also gave us free will. Animals do not have free will. They operate on instinct. Only man is given free will because God imparted his love for us. He wants to show us. He wants to establish that relationship with us. And that relationship began when he created us in his image. He created us, male and female, he created them. And he gave us the rule. He gave us the responsibility to exercise free will. But what happened? When the woman saw the tree was good for food, it was delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took some of its fruit and ate. She gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. What did they do? Did God not make it clear to them that they are not supposed to eat from that one tree? Yes or no? Yes. What did Eve do? Mahina. Disobey. pa. Disobey. <laughs> Is it such a big thing to eat a fruit? Come on. But is that the point? The point is they disobeyed. God said no. They said never mind. And besides, what was Eve doing so close to the tree? She could see it. She could reach out to it. And she did. She took of its fruit. She took a bite. One bite. And she gave to the husband who was with her. And what was the husband doing? I have not named this thing yet. huh? Man, this is why Pastor Danny and I echo his sentiment. This is why discipleship is key. Because Adam did not lead his wife. Adam did not disciple his wife. Adam did not protect his wife. Therefore, his wife was deceived. But when Adam sinned, it was a conscious decision of his will. Here's the fruit. Palibasa, wala asawa mo dito. Pagbalik, Brad. That's why Pastor Danny says, Disciple your wife. Pastor, I have no disciple. You have no family? No, Pastor, we don't have children. You have wife? Yes, there you go. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is your household. And then what? Judea. And then what? Samaria. And then what? To the ends of the earth. Pastor, I will go. Cross cultural missionary. Because ends of the earth. Eh? You have not even discipled your family. You want to go abroad. Hello? Discipleship begins at home. Look at this. The man was there. He was quiet. He did not prohibit. He did not protect. He did not remind his wife. Of the commandment of God. And when she ate, he ate too. And then what happened? God gave us the responsibility. God gave us the rule. If you eat, what will happen? You will die. 
So did Adam and Eve eat? Yes. Did they die? Yes or no? Or? Well, they died both spiritually and physically. Why do I say that? Look. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Adam and Eve disobeyed once. It was just eating of the fruit. In God's eyes, it is disobedience. In God's eye, it is sin. And sin has the consequence. And because the relationship was broken, they were driven out. They died spiritually. Why? They were separated from the presence of God. They died physically because from that time on, man became mortal. One. Just one act of disobedience is enough to sever the relationship. Death means separation. And Adam and Eve were separated from the most important being, the presence of God. What is left for us now? Now that the relationship is severed because of man's sin, we have a good God. Look how good God is in verse 24. Not only did he drive the man out, he also stationed cherubim with a flaming sword to guard every direction, to guard the way to the tree of life. So that Adam and Eve could not go back and continue to get in it fruit and eat from the tree of life. Is God good or not? Is that God good or not? Can you rest in the goodness of God? Is it the devil? Oh, why did God allow, why did God prohibit them to go back? Because if God did not prohibit them to go back, they would just go back. Sin has now entered the world. And they're just going to go back and they will continue to sin. So that they don't do that anymore. You're banned. You're outside. You're banished. Now let's surround this place so that no one can partake of this tree. I gave them free will. They chose not to follow. They chose to believe the lie of the devil that I am a selfish God and I am not a good God. Because of everything that I have provided to them, they chose to eat from the tree I told them not to eat. And even if I love them, I have no choice but to banish them from my presence. But you see, God, in His goodness, even if we have sinned, just like Adam, God took the initiative to restore this broken relationship. In John chapter 1, 12 to 13, it reads, As many as received him, to, those who gave, to, do, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. See, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ left heaven, took the form of a human being, 
and carried your sin and my sin on the cross. Now, the Bible tells us from this passage that there are two things that need to take place. One, you must receive him into your life. You must take the volition, make a decision to accept Jesus into your life. Second, you must believe in his name. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. You must believe that because of what Jesus Christ did at Calvary, all of your sins and my sins have been forgiven. And you must believe that there is no other way to go to heaven except through Jesus Christ. If you believe this, if you receive him into your life, personally, not belonging to a church, not attending a Bible study, not attending a discipleship group, but personally receive Him into your life and put your faith in Him, that relationship can be restored. From the same verse, it says, He gave them, them who received Him, them who believed in His name, He gave them the right to become children of God. Children who were born not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but children born of God. The relationship which was broken by sin can now be restored through the Son. The question is, do you believe who Jesus Christ is? Do you believe who Jesus Christ is enough to put your trust in Him and to ask Him, Lord, will you please come into my life and make me the kind of Christian that you want me to be? Will you come into my life and restore the relationship that was broken by sin? I don't know where your spiritual walk is right now but this morning we have before us the bread and the juice and I want this for us to be a celebration if you're here this morning and you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior then celebrate this table with us if you have not yet received Jesus as your own Lord and Savior then inhibit yourself. It's nothing to be ashamed of. But you can use this time as the others come up and partake of the juice and the bread. You can, wherever you are, you can say a prayer. Something like, Lord Jesus, I realize that I'm separated from you because of my sin. And I thank you for dying on the cross for my place. And in humility, I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come in. I receive you into my life. And I acknowledge you as the Savior and Lord of my life. Change me and make me the kind of Christian that you want me to be. If you're here this morning, and you already have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then come forward. Take a cup of the juice and take a piece of bread and celebrate. And celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for us. 
The bread and the juice are mere elements. Nothing changes. They are mere symbols. The body, the bread which represents the body of Christ upon which he bore of our sins. The cup of the juice which represents the blood of Jesus. Because the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So if you're ready to celebrate with us, come. Come at the table of mercy. Drink of the wine and the bread. Come, people. Join. Celebrate with us. Because the relationship that was broken by sin has now been restored through the work of the Son. Come. Just come and partake. Come as you are. Celebrate the Lord. Celebrate what He has done. And when you have taken the bread and the juice, wherever you are, be in an attitude of prayer and thank the Lord for what He has done for you. If you're still thinking about it, ask the Lord, Lord, do I have you in my life? Lord, are you Lord of my life? If you're not sure, take the time to pray to God. Take the time to ask Him. Take the time to bless to bless your time. Remember, what we are doing does not add or take away from what already Jesus Christ has done for us. This is a celebration, a reenactment, so to speak, of what Jesus Christ has went through. He gave up His body and He shed His blood for the remission of our sins. Be in an attitude of prayer, brothers and sisters. There might be some of us here this morning who are making that decision even just now. So be in an attitude of prayer. Can we bring some of the elements to the media people upstairs? Don't be, af- don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. This is between you and God. This is not even between you and CCF. This is not even between you and your friend who brought you here. This is between you and God. Is He the air that you breathe? Is He the driving force that motivates you to obey Him, to love Him? People at the back, do the people downstairs, they, 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 do they already have? Thank you. Speak. 
speak, God, for your servants are here. They're listening. God, I pray that if there is anyone here who is not sure where he or she will spend eternity, I pray, Lord God, that your word has pierced here his or her heart. That that person will understand that apart from Jesus Christ, we continue to be separated from God because of our sin. And only through Jesus Christ can we be reconciled. Only through Jesus Christ can that broken relationship come and be restored. And that only through Jesus Christ, we can really become children of God. Speak, Lord God. Speak, Lord Jesus. God, as we take the bread, which represents the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, we remember your words that say, He Himself bore our sins on His body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By His wounds, we have been healed. Thank you, Jesus, for taking the penalty of our sins upon yourself. Thank you, Lord God, that I don't need to die on that cross because you took my place. I celebrate your love, Jesus. Let's partake of the bread. Taking the cup of the juice, let's be reminded that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And that Jesus shed His blood at Calvary so that our sins could be wiped away. Though our sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And God, every time we are tempted, to disobey you. Every time we are tempted to commit sin, will you give us a mental picture of what Jesus Christ went through to pay for that sin? He shed his blood. And because of his blood, our sins are covered. Thank you, Jesus, for being obedient, being obedient to death, even death on the cross. Thank you for forgiving me all of my sins. I commit, Lord God, with the empowerment of your Holy Spirit to flee from sin and by your grace to live a life that will bring glory and honor to you and to you alone. Thank you, Lord God. Let's partake of the juice. God Almighty, thank you, Lord, for free will. And even if that free will was misappropriated at the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve decided to sin against you, Thank you that because of your goodness, you sent your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sin 
so that that broken relationship can again be restored. And that relationship between God and His children is one that is permanent. Thank you, Lord God, that in your goodness we can rest because you are a good, loving, and gracious God. Far it be from us, Lord, to take the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus, lightly and for granted. Teach us, Lord, to love you more. Teach us, Lord, to hate sin. Teach us, Lord, to live lives that will bring glory and honor to your name. This is our prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Master. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. To God be the glory.